Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline, 706-0111, On this glorious Monday morning, obviously glorious because... The Astros swept a series in Asia. Um, Look, coming out of the All-Star break, we talked about how this was going to be a rough stretch. You're playing the team with the best record in baseball pretty much all season long. And then you're playing the team... Uh, that at that point was the hottest team in baseball with 14 straight wins. Now, obviously, the Piper wasn't too happy with Seattle. Uh, but the other thing that happened to to the Mariners is the home run derby. And I tell you all about that stuff. It's not good. You don't want your players participating in that stuff. You don't want your players winning MVPs. You don't want a lot of guys in the All-Star game. You don't want all that stuff. So Julio Rodriguez put on a show. He didn't play a game this weekend. Mm-mm. Put on Next. a show in the All-Star, in the Home Run Derby. And look, it made him a lot of money. Good for him. He's on my fantasy team. I like the guy. But it didn't help the, the Mariners. He didn't uh-huh. play a game this weekend. He's expected to be back for today. What they said, um, I think on ESPN is what I, where I saw it. But yeah, wrist it's just I, I'm just telling you. I thought it'd be that, good though. I all, thought he would be fine by the by the weekend because we didn't play on Thursday. All that stuff is not it's not good. You don't want any of that. That that that's a prime example of I want no part of that. I don't want ever my I don't want my guys to ever be in a home run derby, and I want as few playing in the game as possible. It, you know, you need rest. That's that's why they call it the All Star break, not the All Star play. You you need a break. But why so, they do that? Why didn't they can play during the All Star break? Well, you know, it's a big deal for those who are in it, especially the first year guys. Framber obviously enjoyed it. Guys like that, I'm sure Aki enjoyed it. And you know, they, they they had you know they played a couple. You know, Framber pitching inning, it wasn't a big deal. But I mean, when you look at how furiously Rodriguez was swinging in that home run derby over and over and over, I'm like, oh, if I was a Mariner fan, I'd have just been. You got to be kidding me! Please, please lose and get off the stage. I mean, I mean that that that's what I want. It's about the team, not the individual. So I, I, I um, I mean, would he have made a difference? Who knows? Uh, certainly, the first game one was, um, you know, got real tight there, really tight in the seventh inning, and 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 Pena saved it with a leaping grab. Um. And then uh, yesterday looked like it was going to be a, a, a just a, a cruise to a win, and then all of a sudden it wasn't a cruise to the win. I mean, you know, when the when the Astros beat the Yankees, 
you start hearing, oh, the Yankees are overrated. They're not as good as everybody says. And then when and then the Astros sweep the Mariners. Oh, the Mariners aren't good. I told you they weren't good. But why can't it just – why does it always have to be that? If some team sweeps the other team, the team that got swept, they're just not good. Well, why isn't it that the Astros – the team that swept, and in this case the Astros, why isn't it that the Astros are just good? Why has it got to be that the Yankees are overrated and the Mariners are overrated? They're not good. I don't know. I, I don't get that. Now, going in terms of analyzing the series, uh, I didn't realize until – I mean, I remember lighting him up once or twice when he was in Arizona, but I, I don't remember I, – I had I didn't – I wasn't factoring in that the Astros just own Robbie Ray. His, his career ERA against the Astros going in was over five, and it probably went up yesterday. It was – that was like – I mean, he – he gave up a career high ten hits by the third inning yesterday. Astros hadn't hit, hadn't looked like that at the plate in a while. So the um, you know, the Astros were playing a little shorthanded as well in that the bullpen they had a doubleheader. They 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 didn't have access to a lot of their bullpen over the weekend. Uh, the closer was on paternity leave. He you know he just didn't time it up quite good enough but it all worked out and Ryan Presley retired all three batters in the ninth yesterday so he's now retired third it's now an all-time franchise record 30 straight batters he's gotten out he has not given up a base runner since the Yankees lit him up in game one of that series whenever that was three weeks or so or whenever that was that was wow he's been fabulous well that was probably like a month ago but um, he has been fabulous. So um, now the Astros get to play the A's, who they're three and three against. Astros are now three and three in their last six against the A's. After this series, no more trips to Oakland or Asia. Um, so a lot of the West Coast traveling will end. After this weekend, after this trip, which is good. Especially good for old people like me who need some sleep, who need to take naps because all that late night junk is for the birds. But fortunately, in this trip, get, Saturday was a day game and Sunday was a day game. So that was that was really good. All right. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, what was the uh, summer project for our last week? Well, we ended up not 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 doing it. Um I mean it was gonna wow. be summer uh it was gonna be college baseball and softball and then by by the time we just got tied up in the SEC media days and then we just ended up not doing it. Mike Stanton. Have a good day. Mike Stanton, you know, he's Astros have had trouble with him. I I I still I think he's got more um probably more holes in his swing. I'm not saying overall he's better than Judge, but the Astros have had more trouble than him than with Judge. <clears throat> and so I don't know. I I don't like facing him. Again, his swing is stiffer. Uh, 
Uh, he's probably got more. I think most people would probably say he's got more holes in his swing than Judge does. But um, I don't know. For whatever reason, the Astros just struggle with him. So we've got um, – well, look, we're going to be ta- – we talked a lot of SC football last week. We're going to talk a lot of Sunbelt football this week. Um, tomorrow and Wednesday we'll be in New Orleans for – Sunbelt Conference football media days. Um, it's, I tell you one thing, and we're going to mention this quite a bit over the last next few days and, and as we get into the season. And it's been that way for a while, to be fair. But the, the Cajuns are on the right side of this deal. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes. It doesn't work out that way. Sometimes your favorite team is in the tougher conference. I've played there or in the tougher league, depending on the sport and the level. Um, but sometimes you're, you're not. And so you just look, all that stuff is cyclical. If you're a team, you know, there's going to be years where you're on the tougher division uh, and there's going to be years when you're not. And all signs this year point towards the Cajuns being certainly in the right division. The, you know, of the four new schools that were brought in, three of them are on the east side, and one of them is on the west. And the one that's on the west is Southern Mississippi, who has been struggling uh, in recent years. They played. They're one of the few teams. They played more quarterbacks than the Saints did last year. So they, they, they've they really been struggling. So, again, we'll uh, be talking lots of Sunbelt Conference football over the next couple days and even start it today, just kind of doing a general preview at some point. But um, Major League Baseball, I saw a little bit of the Hall of Fame speeches not much. Saw some of David Ortiz. Saw some of Gil Hodges' daughter. It was mostly a group of you know older people. You know, Minnie Minoso, one of the great names in baseball history, if not the greatest name, certainly one of the greatest names in baseball history. And Buck O'Neill, who just you know is a, was a treasure. I mean, uh, if you've ever watched the Ken Burns special on baseball. You just to me, you just had to love Buck O'Neill. He's just he was he was something. Certainly a treasure. All right, let's go back to the phone line and then we'll get to our first time out. Hello. Uh, speaking of Buck O'Neill, I think he scouted Lee Smith, another Hall of Famer. Um, did you, you uh, did you do that on purpose? Do what on I purpose? Said Mike Stanton, I said Mike Stanton, and you brought up. A player who doesn't go by that name anymore. I, well, I, I, I still, I like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was his. That's his name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm not. But come on. So, oh, okay. So you, I, so you didn't do this on purpose. I mean, he, uh, Mike Stanton, the reliever. Oh, he's an Astro now, uh, analyst now. Yeah, but who he used to play? What teams he played for? He played for the Braves, right? Braves and the Yankees. <laughs> I thought you. Uh, I guess. I guess I had to say I, I'm surprised you didn't catch it, but um, <laughs> what you mean? I'm, I'm you know I just name a, I name a Yankee 
a current, well, not current, a former Yankee player, a player who wore the jersey. Oh, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you now. But I, I guess, uh, I guess I have. <laughs> he was. No, man, it was just some kind of, huh? I mean, you know, he does a pretty good job a, a, as an Astro analyst, and he was one of those workhorse left-handed relief pitchers, which yeah, the Astros yeah. don't have right now. But uh, no, I, I still, I still normally call the the, the slugger Stanton Mike Stanton. No, nah, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not into that. Whatever they want to call, you know, call at the time, that's what I'm gonna call him. Uh, but no, I was talking about the uh, the reliever. I got you. 90, early 2000s. Uh, he played. Matter of fact, the uh, reliever. He played for a good bit. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he he had a long career, very long career. Yes, sir. No, nah, I just uh, you know collecting the baseball cards, watching the games on TBS. I remember him. If I'm not mistaken, I, not, I think they tried to make him a starter at one point. You know how that usually goes. I think I could be. I'm talking about the could be the years when they were like losing damn near a hundred games. You know before they. Uh, you know, became the Braves that we know of today. But anyway, have a good one. Thank you. All right, thank you. Yeah, the the Mike Stanton relief pitcher. He he's on the Astro post game and pregame stuff, and so I see him quite a bit. Now he doesn't do every game lately. They've been having Clay Hensley do some of the games. I don't know where that came from. He did a little bit of Michael Bourne early in the season, but but, but Stanton does a good job of analyzing. And plus, I kind of like having a pitcher. As an as an analyst, because um, the, thinking in the insights of a of a pitcher, uh, I don't know. I think it helps in, in in those post game situations. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, catch our breath a little more on this glorious Monday. If you want to talk Major League Baseball, we do that again. Lots of Sun Belt Conference talk this week. We'll get you ready for that, as well as the NFL is, um, you know, some people are already fully in camp, so we'll certainly have plenty of that talk in the coming weeks as well. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Um, Want to remind you, Astro Weekend Getaway, there's another one, and they're going to be playing the Baltimore Orioles. You um, To win, you need to join the Astros clubhouse the astros the game clubhouse and if you do so you could win four tickets to that game against the orioles on the saturday also tickets to la meridian downtown houston and a tour of minute may park all brought to you by butcher air conditioning la meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana sports station uh, that means we've already given away the prize for Saturday's game. 
against the um, the Mariners. Uh, not only, uh, hopefully, the Mariners for their sake anyway uh, get Julio Rodriguez back. They're about to play the Yankees, and then they play the Astros, and then they play the Yankees again. So they've got a really tough schedule coming out of the um, the All Star break. Of course, they had won like what twenty something out of twenty something. It was more than just fourteen in a row. They were playing well, pretty well, right before that fourteen game winning streak that ended. So they're still in pretty good shape. They're also getting helped out by the fact that the Red Sox losing their fair share of games. And for those of you who were might have wondered why I was um, – the Red Sox right now are just decimated with injuries. They're, they don't – they're not employing a major league pitching staff right now. And it's it's pas bon. Um, and that's why I made the comment last week one day it was it was really not if I was a Yankee fan, I wouldn't be too happy that I dropped three games in the last few weeks to this Red Sox team, which had no pitching staff. I mean, they, they, they've they, they're down four starters and and you know that just starts to when you're down four of your five starting pitchers, the, you know you typically have to use your bullpen more. And then they get all messed up, and and then and all of a sudden your pitching staff is just a complete clown show. And really, it is right now. But I mean, again, it's a Triple A pitching staff, and it's it's not it's not a good situation. And if you missed it over the weekend, they they lost twenty eight to five to the Blue Jays, and going back to those final Yankee games, they gave up they gave up fifty five runs in a three game stretch. Can you imagine being a diehard Red Sox fan and watching all of that? I mean, there has to be more than a few diehard Red Sox fans who watched every one of those games and to sit there and watch your team get pummeled over and over again. I don't know how the Red Sox beat the Yankees three times with that pitching staff. Uh, and, and it's really to their credit that they those, those are bad – that was that was not good for from the Yankees' point of view. Of course, it helped the Astros. The Astros, in their quest to try to get the number one overall seed, I mean, it's still you know we're not quite to the trade deadline yet. We're not quite to August yet, but you know it's well, I don't know what we are. Maybe fifty five percent through the season, something like that. A little bit over half. Um, Astros have gotten within a game and a half, and then they play the A's, and again the A's have. They scored a bunch of runs again yesterday. Sean Murphy, a guy that I've been talking about for about a week or two that I would like, that I think could fit well into the Astros situation. There's talk out there that he might be, that there are teams that are interested in him. And obviously, there are a lot of teams interested in Juan Soto and I don't I don't know what the Nationals are um are gonna do. You know, a, a week ago they were told, oh, it's almost a done deal, and then now you're starting to hear, well, I don't know. Not uh, a lot of teams may not be willing to give up. So say they want four or five top prospects. 
you know, something else that plays into all of this, and it's, this is more of a regional behind-the-scene issue than a national Major League Baseball issue, but I saw a graphic over the weekend that talked about rank, rated all the parks from the most expensive, like family, how much it costs for a family of four to go to a, a game at that park. To You know, it rated all of the teams. And, and uh, it's because they just won the World Series. I mean, the Astros used to be way more affordable than it is now. And once they won the World Series, it, it just kind of, all of that changed. It's no longer affordable. I mean, it costs to park a block or two from Minute Maid Park costs $40 to park. 40 And And depending on who they're playing, it could cost 60 or 80 Um, It's crazy. Now, the most expensive uh, uh, was the Yankees and then, um, no, the Red Sox. The Red Sox were the most expensive, and then the Cubs, and then the Yankees and Nationals, and then the Nationals. And, and I bring that up because where are the Nationals going from here? Like, they've got one of the most expensive tickets and viewing situations in uh, parks in all of baseball right now, like their fifth or sixth most expensive they have been miserable like they 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 didn't just have a medicine se- i mean they were to post a child for a medicine season but it it looks like they're about to have a medicine decade like they have been horrific since they beat the astros in game seven of that world series and that's why from their perspective they got to make a major haul heel because they they are nowhere near competing they're really not they're nowhere near competing especially since the Braves have got things going the Mets look like they're going to be good for a while I don't know what to think of the Phillies they just if they ever can get their pitching and and they they need to get a third baseman that can field the baseball I mean this guy bomb he just he cannot field um it's if you have an infield I mean it's hard to hide an infielder it really is. Like the old joke, the old great story, arguably one of the best the best um, sports liners or whatever you want to call it ever is they asked Pedro Guerrero what he was thinking when it was the last, you know, the in eighth or ninth inning of a game, something like that. And he said he was thinking two things. One, I hope they don't hit it to me. And two, I hope they don't hit it to Steve Sachs, who was playing second base and had throwing issues at that time. And, but you can't hide an infielder. Like, this is the major leagues. And uh, this guy, bomb, he cannot field. But anyway, uh, the Florida Marlins, they always seem to have a good pitching prospects, but it just it looked like they were starting to get it going. And then, and then Chaz, Jazz Chisholm, who's having a breakout season, he's now on the 60-day. I mean, so he's probably done for the season. And... And it, it, they just, it just, it just never seems to happen for the, for the. Well, I think they call them the Miami Marlins now, whatever. I mean, it, it just never seems to happen for them. So, of course, it's hard for me to feel sorry for them. Those, those fans didn't have to pay any dues, and they have two World Series. <laughs> they pay no dues at all as fans, and boom, boom, they're in the World Series twice. So, I don't really feel sorry for them too much, but um. It is um, 
the top of that division doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. And so I, I, I get why the Nationals, the point of all that, is I get why the Nationals are asking such a high price. Uh, and, and, and they probably need to. Because if they don't come out of this good, like if they, like by after the All-Star break or by next season, if they don't have Juan Soto, arguably the best hitter in all of baseball, and they don't have a lot of major league ready top prospects, hmm, they, they are in deep trouble for the foreseeable future. Deep trouble. So we'll see how the Nationals come out. Getting back to Sean Murphy. For those that don't know, there are a lot of reasons why Sean Murphy, the catcher for the A's, might get traded. One, because the A's, they trade all their good players. That's just where they are. A lot of people are thinking that the A's are going to be um, going to Las Vegas following the Raiders real soon. It kind of makes sense. Their ballpark. I actually am not. I don't have to go there, so I don't care how old the ballpark is. From a baseball stand fan standpoint, I don't mind playing at a ballpark with a lot of foul territory. They have, there is a ton of foul territory there, like a ton, more than anywhere, more than any other park in baseball. I don't mind that really that much. Now, early on, I hated going there because the Astros could never beat them. Well, now they've kind of turned the tide a little bit, in there, and they're starting to beat them fairly frequently in Oakland, and they've had a lot of good performances there, but – um, for the first whatever many years when they used to play in interleague play, they, they could never win a game there. But but the guy who's going to be in the, their major league starting catcher probably as soon as they trade Murphy is going to be Shea Langoliers, who whose sister Alexa is the starting shortstop for the Cajuns and who used to play for the Braves. Uh, he went over there from the Braves to – or the, not the Braves, but the Braves organization. He went from the Braves to the A's in the Olsen trade <clears throat> and uh, supposedly really, supposedly a um, hit a home run in the Futures game a couple weeks ago, and he is supposedly major league ready, so just something to keep an eye on there uh, from a UL standpoint, um, uh, Alexa's, Brothers gonna probably be in the major in the all in the major leagues next week or shortly, whatever Murphy gets traded. <coughs> if he is, and and I you know Murphy's, I'm not saying Mur- Murphy's nowhere, he's not even the same hemisphere as a Juan Soto, so it's not like you're gonna get a major haul for him. But he's a guy he he, he won a Gold Glove, so he's a plus defensive catcher with pop in his bat. Yeah, you can a lot of a lot of teams could use a plus defensive catcher with pop in his bat. The Astros could for sure. No, great performance by the Astros over the weekend. One thing that you know, one thing about the Astros is when they get challenged, they normally come through. Not all the time, nothing's perfect, but they norm they thrive over being challenged and i think that's why they struggle with teams like the a's at times because you know the perception is oh that's it they, they're terrible and so you know every going to beat them one respect the game and, and and two it's a division game and uh you never know what's going to happen there but um but no they just which is why it's amazing how ignorant 
how many ignorant baseball fans there are in this country. It really is amazing. Like, after five years, has any of these fans noticed, whether they're in New York or L.A., I mean, the, the L.A. fan, the, the fans that are punks, like, I don't know if they know anything about baseball, anything. But, but the Yankee fans should be, like, have they not noticed that, that this team thrives over you acting like an idiot? All you're doing is helping the Astros because they love that stuff. They thrive over having a bunch of idiots scream at them with a bunch of ignorance lack of understanding of the game. They just thrive off of it. And yet they just keep doing it. I mean, just just keep doing it, bozos. I love it. Now, Seattle's fans were actually more intelligent than a lot of the fans because they only booed the ones who were on the team five years ago. Some of these stands, they just boo all the time. Keep booing, keep losing. It's a questionable strategy from my standpoint, but keep doing it. All right. We'll take a time out. Come back with more on this glorious Monday as the Astros have five or five and oh on this brutal post all-star game or all-star break stretch. And they just they just seem to come through when they absolutely need to. And uh for, as a fan, it's deeply appreciated. We'll take a time out. We'll come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on uh, the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Astros play tonight in Oakland. <coughs> Jake Odorizzi is pitching in Oakland on the surface on paper is the perfect place for Jake Odorizzi to pitch. In fact, if the Astros trade Jake Odorizzi, other than going to a bad team from a purely uh, stuff uh, repertoire to ballpark, it's a perfect fit for him because he's a fly ball pitcher and a lot of fly balls die in in Oakland. And so it's, um, it's a pitcher's park big time. So we will see how... Uh, he fares. His last outing was very good. And um, they actually have been scoring more runs than they normally do. They've had a couple games recently where they score in the 8 to 10 run range. So I uh, that doesn't always happen for them. They, they don't have a – they have a, maybe a hair over a triple-A lineup. I mean, the Astros have had a little trouble with them. 
but it, it's been more just when the Astro when they beat the Astros two out of three last weekend in Houston, it was it was more just dreadful defense, just dreadful defense. That did not happen as much uh, when they went to Seattle and <clears throat> are against the Yankees. Now, Yuli, uh, there's been a couple plays on the last weekend where it was an unusual play and he wasn't able to make the adjustment and make a catch. But, man, Jeremy Pena, if you haven't seen the Jeremy Pena play, and even if you watch the replay of him diving up and robbing uh, Kyle Lewis of a two-run single in Friday's game, Unless you were watching the game and, and all of, I mean, the momentum was shifting. You know, at the time, the Astros had a three-run lead. I think it was the seventh inning. And it was two out. It was one out. And he, and he hits a line drive. And the Mariner announcer, he said, base hit. And then he goes, whoa, where did Jeremy Pena come from? And it, it I mean, off the bat, it looked like a two-run single. And he jumps up and catches the ball. And the Astros get out of the inning and they end up winning. But it was... uh. If he didn't make that play, it's a one-run game, and they got all the momentum. Who knows what would have happened at that point. But it was uh, a great play, and so we'll see um, what happens there. Also, again, next week, not next week, tomorrow and Wednesday, we will be in Houston to bring you all the coverage of Sunbelt Conference Media Days from New Orleans, the Sheraton Hotel, brought to you by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty, and the Wetlands as we bring you coverage of Sunbelt Conference Football Media Day. It is going to be, I think, more of a celebration than it's going to be an informational setting. Now, there certainly will be plenty of information. Uh, I'm sure coaches will be asked many of the same questions that or we're being asked at you know other conference media days as far as the the um, the the state of the union of college football and where are we going with all these big conferences? But you know nobody I, the Big Ten and the SEC are not coming to get schools from the Sun Belt Conference. Now it's possible that conferences that get schools pulled from them might look into some of these mid-major conferences for replacements. That That's certainly possible down the road. But uh, the Sunbelt Conference, which a lot of people turn their nose up at over the la- different stages of the last 10 years or so, have has really set up itself very well. I mean, with the addition of Old Dominion and Southern Miss and James Madison and Marshall, um, you got a 14-team league now, which is why you have two days of Sunbelt Conference instead of just one when they had 10 teams. And it's gonna again, it's going to be, on paper, it's going to be a race that looks like the East is going to be way more competitive than the West. Uh, uh, just to remind you, as I said earlier, three of the four new teams are in the East, which means that somebody from the East had to come over to the West, and Troy came over, which makes sense because, look, Troy and South Alabama 
or in the same state, but they were in different divisions. So it kind of makes sense that two teams in the same state would be in the same division. So, and plus, you know, you've got Troy, I think, and I can develop an easy rivalry with Southern Miss as well as with South Alabama, obviously. And in South Alabama and Southern Miss, that that's going to be a great rivalry. I mean, that's not that far apart, Hattiesburg to, to, uh, to Mobile. And so, but when you look at the teams in the West, obviously the Cajuns are what they've done the last few years. A lot of a lot of change. You got a new head coach. You're going to have a new quarterback for the first time in three years, and really a little bit longer because even what was that three or four years ago, whenever that was, you know, Levi played. It's been a long time since the Cajuns have gone into a season with a quarterback, no, no matter which way they go, with a quarterback that it will have, be as inexperienced as whoever the, the Cajun starting quarterback is going to be. And we don't know. Um, at the beginning of the spring, Coach Dez said he wanted somebody to step forward. Well, after the spring, that did not happen. Ben Wooldridge and Chandler Fields, both of them had their moments in the spring game. Both of them had their moments, and nobody really separated. I think they both, I think their personalities are a little different, but I think they both have the ability to be leaders. I think they're, it seems like they're both respected. I mean, nobody's going to be the leader that Levi was. No one's going to be able to set the example that Levi did. But, I mean, this is college football. I mean, you have to move on. You you, you can't keep guys forever. And, obviously, they had Levi for one more year than, than any of us expected pre-pandemic. So, <clears throat> we'll see how that goes. They're going to be – you know, I, I think a lot of the time Levi was a game manager as a quarterback. And, and so, I don't – I – um. Running backs and the running game have played a huge role in the, in this program's success over the last three seasons. And so I think that will continue. But I tell you what, and, and, and I know the coaches don't want to hear this, and I know they're not listening right now, but if they were, just, just turn, turn, your, turn your ears off. But when I, when I reviewed all 14 of these teams last week and I looked at their all 14 schedules, and my first thought was, man, if those two running backs had come back, this team was going to run. And I'll say it again. If the K, and look, I still think the Cajuns are going to run the football well. But if but Amani Bailey, folks, was really good. He he is not, he, you know, he, he's shown how good he can be, but he's even better than I think he's shown. If, if, if Johnson and Amani Bailey were back, even with a new quarterback, Man, the, the, it, it, I mean, I still think the Cajuns are going to win the, the division. Whether they win the conference or not, who knows? There's, you know, there's a million things that have to play into that. But, <clears throat> but man, I'll tell you what, after looking at all these rosters and looking at all these schedules and who's got what coming back, if the Cajuns, even with the question on their offensive line, if they had a Monty Bailey back, Johnson would be nice too, but, it, but if they had a Monty Bailey, 
but they don't. So it's no use to, to argue about or cry over it anymore. Um, we'll see how it plays out. I think, I personally think South Alabama is the team that is going to be the biggest threat in the division to the Cajuns. I mean, Texas State on paper could, but the Cajuns just own Texas State in football. I, they just, until it happens, I will never believe Texas State's going to be the Cajuns in football. But, um, but South Alabama could, and South Alabama has physically beaten the Cajuns up before. They've won the game on the line of scrimmage. I've, it didn't happen last year, but I've seen it before. Um, Arkansas State still seems like they're a ways away. Southern Miss uh, still seems like they're a ways away. ULM still seems like they're a ways away. And so uh, I really think South Alabama, if they can figure out how to finish drives and get their kicking, I mean, the South Alabama should have beat the Cajuns last year. Should have beat them. Um, or could have beat them for sure had they. The Cajuns, I thought, outplayed them, but they didn't put them away, and then they almost lost the game. And so I I, I think South Alabama's the team to watch out for in the West. But in the East, man, there's a there's a ton of teams to like, and we'll be talking about those teams a lot over the next two days. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour of footnotes on this glorious Monday. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. <clears throat> Something else I tried, I d- had a little few discussions with over the weekend as well as going over things in my mind, and this is a process we'll really start delving into hot and heavy with, into more detail next week probably once the Sunbelt, or at the end of this week even, once the Sunbelt Conference media days are over with. But that is trying to figure out, and really I changed my mind a lot in thinking about this over the last three or four weeks because, and the only reason I think about it is because that's all they talk about on the national shows. Patrick Mahomes and, and Brady, and uh, not well, Brady too, but, but Aaron Rodgers. So it's like, <clears throat> what, what is, you know, what is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going to do without him? And what is Rodgers going to do? I mean, it's just, it's all they talk about over and over again. But, when I, when I hear them talking about that, what I'm thinking is, all right, how am I going to predict? How am I supposed to separate these four teams in the AFC West? So uh, please get together your good arguments for why I should pick this team or that team or not pick this team or that team. Because I want to hear them because I really i am very undecided. I, I um. I think I know some, but it, but it, even when I start to think I know, I hear something else and it changes my mind. Going to be really tough chore, but it's not even August yet, so we have time to figure that out. All right, well, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. 
Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to talk college football, certainly feel free to do that. Major League Baseball, it's it's been... I guess surprise a little bit surprising. There hasn't been much activity, folks. Today's the twenty fifth of July. And by the way, happy birthday to my wife Michelle. Uh, her birthday is today. Unfortunately, I will be going out of town, so that doesn't work real, real well. I'm not the most popular person in my household right now, but that's just, I guess, what happens sometimes. But anyway, happy birthday to Michelle. Um. Or if you would like to talk about the NFL, certainly feel free to to do so as well. All right, I mentioned last week. Oh no, I was getting to the um, the the trade deadline. Uh, it's the twenty fifth, and so we've only got about a week left for till the trade deadline. And uh, a lot of times, some years you'll start getting some trades starting to sprinkle in. I guess. This week, theoretically, because of the way the calendar falls, you know, we might start getting some of that over the next couple days uh, or, let you know, by Wednesday or Thursday at least maybe. I, I don't know, but it just seems like I, I think part of what could be holding it up is like, you know, the big domino to fall is Soto. And they're, if they're asking prices really, really high, then it makes it difficult. <clears throat> also, the problem with Soto is the some have reported that he's not wherever he signs, he's not planning on signing a long term extension. So you're only getting him for some people say two, some people say three. You get him for three postseasons if you're in the playoffs. Okay, that that's that still counts as three years to me. I guess I have. With, with, with the Astros being in the playoffs so much recently, I kind of have more of a postseason mentality than I used to. But you get them for three postseasons, theoretically, if you make it to all three. <clears throat> but the next two seasons. So that might limit it. The other thing is there are still so many teams that went into the All-Star break thinking that they're still in it. And they and almost every team was still in it, so I, I think some teams are probably trying to figure out where they are. Are they buyers or sellers? And the thing I always struggle with that concept is, let's say you lose two or three in a row, you say, "Oh, we got to be buyers." Well, what happens if you win the next six, six or seven games? That that it still matters that you lost that three in a row, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are. Because baseball happens. And so it's um, it's a tough deal. <clears throat> no, we talk about it because it, it because we talk a lot about the Astros on this station. We're an Astro affiliate, and there's a lot of Astro fans in this area. But, like, what do you do with Yuli Gurriel? 
But it's you know that's just the Astros question. All these teams have question. Like there's players on their team. Like what are who who is this? Who is Yuli Gurriel? Whatever. And I'm and I'm using that as an example. But it could be a player on another team. Do you trust them? Are they going to be with you long term? Are they going to play at a high level? Or are you going to wish you replaced them two months from now? Those are tough decisions to make. And then you have scenarios like the Yankees. Yankees lost one of their best relief pitchers for the season over the weekend. King. Like, all of a sudden, they have relief pitching issues that they didn't, didn't look like they were going to have two or three weeks ago. And then you have, like, the Red Sox, like... I don't even know if you can begin to solve all the problems. I mean, you can't acquire, like, four starting pitchers. I mean, I guess you could, but really, that that's probably a little bit ambitious. And plus, you're not going to want to give up what it takes to acquire that many starting pitchers. <clears throat> so the Red Sox, even though they're mathematically right in it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they just said, you know what, we, we can't do this right now. We just have to just hope guys play over their heads. We're not going to sell the form um, to try to be contenders this year when we have so many injuries. Braves lost Adam Duvall for the season. That happened. That was run, un, um, released over the weekend. So a lot of teams that are either borderline contenders or major contenders, like the Yankees or the Braves, have issues that they didn't have a week or two ago. They got to figure out how to solve. So... Maybe some, all of those things play into the fact that there hasn't been very much movement at all lately. Hopefully, some will come soon this week uh, as we move closer closer to the trade deadline. All right, let's go into the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey, I have a quick question. Okay. Just talking about UL football last hour. You all have recruited a quarterback from Maryland. He was a four-star recruit quarterback. And ever since he got on campus, I haven't heard anything. Is he still on campus, or did he transfer, or he's just not doing good? What's going on? Uh, I think it was Lance Legrande. Lance Lejeune, Les, yes, sir. I, I'll answer your question. Thank you for that question. Okay. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, no, he's still there. Um, he, he, here's the issue with Lance. One, obviously, when you come – you know, he's had multiple offensive coordinators and systems from high school to Maryland uh, and now to the Cajuns. And he's had to, you know, learn the playbook, which all new players when they transfer have to do. Uh, Coach Napier before all last season made it very, uh, I mean, you know, he, he didn't make a big deal about it, but when he when he was asked a question, he answered it. And it was obvious that Ben Woldridge, um, Ben Woldridge picked up the playbook better than all the new quarterbacks did last year. So he had that advantage. The other issue with Lance Lejeune is this. He is more of a runner than he is a passer. He looked fabulous for a stretch in the spring game or whatever the spring event was I mean it wasn't like a full game but what you know the little drills that they did there were times where he looked fabulous um and other times where you could say eh, I see what they're saying but the problem with you it, it it's kind of what we talk about with Lamar Jackson 
you'd have to change to make him your starting quarterback. You'd have to really change, tweak your offense a lot, or you know, pretty significantly. Also, it impacts the wide receivers that are on your team now and the ones you're recruiting in the future. Because he's not like a one-year player. If you would name him your starting quarterback, it'd be like a team who acquires Lamar Jackson. You have to completely change your offense. Okay, one, what happens if he gets hurt? And you don't have anybody, believe me, the Cadiz don't have anybody at quarterback that's athletic as him. Although, they're raving about their freshman quarterback. That's another issue. Uh, moving forward, I don't know how that's going to play into it. Uh, Zeon Chris, but... If he gets hurt, you don't you don't have anybody else probably to do what he can do. Um and then recruiting wise, recruiting wide receivers get to be gets complicated over the next year or so. So those are things just to kind of file away in the back of your mind. As far as what role he could play this year, Lance Lejeune, I hope, slash think, slash kind of expect that he can be a play a Batman type role. Now, I don't think he's going to be as big of this offense as Batman is when he's healthy for the Saints. But I think he can do some of that. And I think he should do some of that. I don't think the coaches are going to discuss it a whole lot. But if you remember when we had Coach Leger on in the spring, he raved about his athletic ability. Raved about it. And so... I don't know what good it does to have an athlete that good on your team and just sit him on the bench. And so I think they need to figure out a way to incorporate him in the offense, get him in, in space, uh, have him run some of the Wildcat stuff. They, they, I think they need to be creative. Now, how much of that they're planning on, I don't know that they're going to tell us a whole lot. You know, uh, I'm sure they want to keep that as secret as, as possible, but – but, yes, to answer your question, he is still on the team. Uh, how much he's in their plans, I, I don't know that. But, personally, I think he needs they need to add that facet to their offense. I mean, they already run the football well. Even though they've lost some good running backs, they still have good running backs left. And in addition to that, obviously, if, if you didn't remember, they lost um, – Kendrell Williams from from Crow for the year to an injury in the spring, so that's even worse. so their their running back core is not as deep as it should have been as we thought it was going to be this year. You know, at midseason last year, put it that way, when it looked like you had all these guys coming back, um, making that even more of a question mark because you have an offensive line that arguably is the biggest question mark on this entire Cajun team going into this season. You know, you, you lost Mitchell to the draft. You lost Shane, uh, the center, uh, Vallo, to just, you know, he he had, he could have come back, but he decided to move on with his life, and he's now a graduate assistant under Coach Napier at Florida. And um, so you lost, and you lost Osiris, who was your best physical talent at our offensive line transferring to Florida with Coach Napier. So your offensive line is your biggest question mark, I think, coming into this season. Well, you could say, well, quarterback is. Yeah, but you you pretty much know that your quarterback's either going to be Will Rich or it's going to be Fields. You know, and 
Their body types are different, but I don't know that their skill sets are that different. Uh, And so it's a question in that somebody's got to win the job, but it's not like, and they have a lot to prove because they're following the most productive quarterback in the history of the, of the program. So you could, if you say, well, the biggest question mark is quarterback. Okay. But, there's just so many more elements to an offensive line than there is to just replacing one quarterback. When you kind of, it's not like it's this open. It's pretty clear that it's going to be one of those two, and their skill sets are not that different. So, um, I, I I think that adds to the question of the of of the running game, and so that's another reason to me to kind of be able to, to have that ability to throw a little bit of a curveball and you and lose use Lance in a Batman role. Hopefully they can figure all that out and make their offense a little better. But yeah, he he is there. Um but I do not you know, it didn't seem like he was real close to being a starting quarterback, but hopefully he's close to being on the field. Uh, <clears throat> cuz he's very explosive obviously and can maybe do some add a little bit of a curveball. I'm all for that. I like that plan. I like again what I don't like, and I and I complain to I, you know I'm hoping Pete Carmichael uses Batman way better than Sean P- than Casper the Quitter did, and and at times he was very beneficial in that role, but I I don't think he ever threw the ball enough. I mean it, it, you can't get it in my opinion, you can't get into a rut where. Seven, eight, nine, ten times in a row you use him on third and short, and everybody knows he's getting the ball. I just, I just don't feel comfortable with that. You got to have the defense guessing more than that, in my mind. And I understand that with the Saints, it's typically a numbers game. Like I got more numbers than you. I'm better on the line of scrimmage than you. So even if you know it's coming, you can't stop this big bull running through the line to get one or two yards. I get that, but I still I still don't like it. I, I don't I don't like when it's that predictable. Now, I'm not saying never run him on third and short. I'm saying if he threw if the third to last time play he was in the game, he threw a pass, that they're gonna be thinking that the opposing defense. That's going to be in their mind. So I I just think there were times where it was too predictable. Every time Batman came in the game, when he was was playing Batman, not when he was trying to play quarterback. I'm not not talking about that part. When he was playing Batman, it was too often where he came in the game, he was running the ball right up the middle. You can do that some, but got to throw it some. So we'll see what happens there. It's exciting. It's unbelievable. We talked about this with Gerald Broussard like about a month ago. The similarities, and we're gonna, it's going to come up throughout the course of the season, the similarities between the Cajuns and the Saints are, it's unbelievable how many similarities there are. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Very similar, very similar issues going into this season. All right, we'll take a timeout. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We'll take that time out, come back, talk more to you on the game, 1037 Lafayette, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. 
Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 25th, 1999. Lance Armstrong wins his first of seven consecutive Tour de France titles, but is later disqualified for drug cheating. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, want to remind you, Astro giveaway on Saturday, August the 27th. If you would like to win four tickets to that game, as well as a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodation um, for that Saturday evening, Astro getaways, weekend getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game. If you would like to win a great prize, you just need to join the, the game clubhouse. You could watch Astros Orioles. N- you know, I remember one or two trips of the Orioles coming to Minute Maid Park, but you don't get that a whole lot. Not a lot of trips um, of the Orioles to Minute Maid Park over the years. And the Orioles, you know, they're, they lost two out of three, but they did beat the Yankees once over the weekend. And... That you know, they're still very much in the in the wild card race. They're playing, I believe it's the Rays in a series this weekend. So that's a you know, the Rays are, are another team that's got a lot of injuries. Man, Yandy Diaz has been bailing them out. The the Rays. They they struggle to score runs most of the time. They lost their best player, Wander Franco. He's out he had just gotten back and he's out again another six weeks or so. Who knows if he's even gonna be back. And then, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, apparently he got $650,000 worth of jewelry stolen out of his vehicle. Of course, the first question is, why do you have $650,000 worth of jewelry in your vehicle? But that that's not, I guess, for us to, to, to ask. But, uh, no, he's had a rough go of it lately, their best player, Wander Franco. And, and Yandy Diaz has picked him up. But, again, they're, they're, they're a team that has had a lot of injuries. Not as many as the Red Sox, but a lot. Well, their number is more. I think they've had like 19 or 20 guys on the IL this year. But but it hasn't all been concentrating like where you've lost four starting pitchers all at the same time like the Red Sox. They're they're a mess and they've had defensive issues all season long which is very very uh uncharacteristic of the Rays. So that that's a big series, but Astros Orioles August the 27th. Man that's about a month away. We're going to be, think about it, a month away, we're still going to be two weeks away from the NFL start of the NFL season. We won't be two weeks away from the start of the college football season, thankfully. But a month from now, we're still going to have two more weeks to wait for the start of the NFL season. Unbelievable. So while we're saying that football season starts or, you know, we kind of started talking about football in much more earnest last week with the SEC media days and then again with the Sunbelt media days. It's still still a long way to they actually play games. All right. <clears throat> the game hotline is 706 
706-0111. I mentioned last segment that the East is stronger than the West on paper going into this season. I don't think there's a whole lot of question about that. Um, there were six teams last year that had winning records. Now, you know, this year's a different year. I get that. But there were six teams that had winning records. Five of the six are in the East. Um, now, to be fair, two of the teams that were right on the verge of having winning records but didn't were Troy and South Alabama. Like, they, they each were headed towards having winning records. Troy lost their last three games, and South Alabama lost their last four games and kind of messed that up. So two teams that are right on the verge of becoming winning programs, it appears on paper, are in the West. So that could – that if if they actually solve that, you know, leap that little span and jump that ladder, then, then they, you know, could be there pretty soon, theoretically. But Marshall, James Madison – um, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, and App all had winning seasons last year. You know, James Madison is going to be a fascinating team to follow this year. Brand new school program to the Sun Belt, and new to this level of football. They've been in the FCS and and winning lots of games. Like this team won twelve games last year. I've always contended that the difference. I mean, if you think back whenever it was a decade or so ago or eight, nine, ten years ago when Georgia Southern and App made the leap from um, FCS to FBS, it, it, it didn't take them very long. It didn't take them very long. I think some people initially were like, oh, man, it – you know, it's a higher level. They're going to have a tough – it really it didn't take them very long to make an impact. They made an impact uh, immediately. You know, I can still remember the first time they came to Cajun Field. I don't do that anymore because I say I'm wiser. Some might say, well, you're just lazier. But back then we would walk up the tunnel. Man, I don't do that anymore. That's That's craziness at the end of a game. But I remember walking up the tunnel to go to the post-game press conference. This was App's first trip to Cajun Field when they first joined the conference. And they they were jumping up and down. The coaches were just – it was like a big moment. Like, we, we can do this. You can tell. It was like – and now they're more composed. They've been there, done that kind of thing. But um, James Madison – now, James Madison – is another team like the Cajuns that had a starting quarterback who was like an all-conference, you know, first-team all-conference type player. I know Levi wasn't first-team all, but I mean that kind of player for them last year. So they got to replace their quarterback just like the Cajuns do. But this is a team that knows how to win. The other thing is there are three 1,000-yard rushers coming back. All three are in the Eastern Division. And, man, I don't know. I think the best one is in Marshall. I mean, if Cajun fans remember the New Orleans Bowl last year, um, Rashawn Ali, he was very slippery, very impressive. Talking about a guy who ran for over 1,400 yards and 
23 touchdowns last year and also caught 45 passes. So a complete back. He's not real – I mean, he was a little on the slender side, but, man, he was slippery. I was, I was very impressed with him in the New Orleans Bowl. So he's back. And then you have Nate Noel from – App State, and, you know, App threw the ball way more than they, they normally throw the ball last year. But they still had a guy rush for 900-and-something yards and another one rush for a little over 1,000 yards. So it's not like they, um, you know, they don't run the football. They had two guys, Cameron Peoples, rush for 14 touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, he had over 900 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns. So they have a 1-2, and they have another running back. I think his name is Harrington. Who was who was who was pretty capable as well. So, Abs still got an elite running game, even though they throw the ball a whole lot more than they used to. And Georgia State can really now they don't have a thousand yard rusher, but they can really run the ball. The other thousand yard rusher is at Old Dominion. Old Dominion is another program that we're going to be learning a lot about over the next couple of days when we get to New Orleans for Sunbelt Conference Media Day. They have a a running back. <clears throat> whose last name is Watson, who rushed for over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Old Dominion is a program that also finished five and seven, kind of was, and they won like, I think it was their last four games or last five games. Like, they really finished last season strong. So it was, um, it's going to be a pro, yeah, they were six and seven. That's what it was. They they won their last five. They finished six and seven. So they were right there on the verge of having a winning season, much like Troy and South Alabama were um, last year, uh, teams that were in the Sun Belt last year. So Old Dominion, they got a second-year coach, and they and they had some some success down the stretch last year, and we'll see how they could carry that over again the direct opposite of a South Alabama who got off to a very encouraging start but could just they just couldn't finish. They couldn't finish drives. Their defense was mostly good but couldn't get off the field at certain times. So I don't know what their little slogan is, but it would not surprise me if the word finish has something to do with it for Coach Womack's um, South Alabama team um, coming into this season because really they could have beat the Cajuns, but they didn't finish. They could have beat quite a few teams last year, just did not finish. And they got beat, even though they outplayed them for most of the game, by ULM because they did not finish. And so, you know, that whole – sometimes some people, fans or whatever, media members, we kind of chuckle and we think it's silly the whole – you know, most teams, they pull up the number four and they – it's all about fourth quarter, fourth quarter. But all that is is about finishing. It's like, all right, you can't get tired. You can't let fatigue get in the way. You can't get bored. You got to finish. You know, yesterday it almost looked like the Astros, they won the first two games. They're up six to nothing in the seventh inning. It's almost like they got bored. Well, all of a sudden, it's six to three, and they got two runners on base. And uh, you better not be bored. The Mariners were coming, and and so um, you know you can't. You got to be able to finish. And uh, some of these teams, if they learn to finish, there could be more than six teams with winning records uh, this season, depending on how certain teams finish and, and how all it meshes. But no, a lot. You uh, the the you know most of the elite running backs 
uh, are in the East. A lot more questions, you know, um, in, in, in the West among especially offenses. Like Arkansas State, they have no running game. ULM does not run the ball well enough. Texas State does not run the ball well enough. Now, all those teams have their leading rushers back. In fact, 12 of the 14 teams in this league have their leading rushers back. Kind of strange. That's a lot, it seems like. Now, again, like in the Cajun scenario, um, they lost the guy who led them in touchdowns, Johnson. He went to Florida. And they lost the running back that had the highest average per carry in a Bailey. He was more explosive. But Chris Smith technically was the leading rusher in that he had the most yards of any of the Cajuns' three running backs. And he, and they, he didn't even play in the bowl game because they were trying to protect him. Hopefully, Chris is healthy. Um, Chris is a guy who can – you got to like the guy if you ever talk to him, first of all. But second of all, he – uh, he's a guy who you, you, you he doesn't need to be a workhorse back, although I'm sure if you asked him to be, he would do it. He would try to do it, but I don't think he needs to be that. He, he really needs to be part of a rotation, and we'll see how if they're workhorse running backs, how, how they do, because they have guys who haven't played yet who on paper can be workhorse running backs. Uh, well, Terrence Williams played a little bit, and he's a big physical guy, and Draylon Washington theoretically could definitely be a way he, he's short, but man, he is incredibly strong looking. So we'll see how the Cajuns running game does. But, <clears throat> and the other thing that will be interesting about the Cajuns running game is the, you know, for Levi didn't run as much over the course of his career as a lot as me or and a lot of other people thought he should have, which was a, always a major topic of conversation. The quarterbacks, I would say, that they have now are capable of running, but they're not really runners. I, I don't know how much of a, I don't know how much of an impact they're going to have on the running game, which adds to the conversation that we were having earlier that Lance Lejeune maybe needs to be that guy, some here and there, where you have a quarterback that can run. So, lots of questions to answer. Really, there are a ton of questions to answer, and we'll be going over many of those in New Orleans over the next two days for Sunbelt Conference Media Days. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, talk more to you on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, want to remind you, if you would like to win an Apple Watch, simply need to text or join, I should say, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles Text Club, the brand-new text club, by texting GAME to 283 283-8100. 283-8100. 
Once you join, you could you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch as well as all kind of other great prizes like Astro tickets, the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. <clears throat> All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Look, folks, uh, um, most of the shows for RP3 and company and footnotes it's going to be jam-packed with Sunbelt Conference football talk over the next two days. Much like, and really even more, because we're going to have more access to coaches in the Sunbelt than we did in the SEC uh, for media day. So it's going to be jam-packed with Sunbelt Conference football talk over the next two days. So if you would like to talk about Saints or Major League Baseball or whatever, now is the time to do it. Um I'm not saying we're not going to mention anything else. If something big happens, we'll certainly mention it. But we will largely, it will be a pretty um, wall-to-wall Sunbelt Conference for the next two days and just kind of getting our minds ready and really educating. Like, I think the spirit there is going to be a celebration because I think most of the people around the Sunbelt Conference, the fans, the media members, the athletic directors, et cetera, feel like, and I think rightfully so, that the Sunbelt Conference came out of what's going on in college football for a mid-major about as good as you can come out of it. They don't see, you know, they seem to be holding a lot of cards right now, a lot of cards um, for a Sunbelt program, for a mid-major program. And, you know, they seem to have a plan and they executed it. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue with what's going on right now in the Sunbelt Conference. So that part is great. Uh, but I think for a lot of us and 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 and, I, and a lot of fan, when I say us, I mean media members and a lot of the fans of the Cajuns or just college football and Sunbelt Conference, it's going to be informational. Like there's a lot of new faces, like not that many Cajun fans know anything about James Madison or Old Dominion or, you know, what's going on with some of these other programs. Um, so it, you know, we're going to learn a lot over the next two days, um, and kind of get us ready anyway for the, the start of the season, which is still about a month or so away. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. Good, good. Hey, uh, we'll talk about the Saints. Um, I've been a season ticket holder forever and, uh, I'm telling you that I haven't been this excited about the Saints since the, the uh, since the year of the Nola no call. Um, I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. The national media is not giving them any love, which is good. I like them flying under the radar. I just they really don't have any deficiencies. Um, the only thing that could screw this up would be Jameis Winston, in my opinion, and the Alvin Kamara suspension. Other than that, I think they're stacked everywhere. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think we've both been around football enough, I think, to know. We found out last year what injuries can do to a team. In my oh, opinion, yeah. we found out in 2019 what officials can do to a football team because the Saints Absolutely. got the raw deal that year. But um, but as long as the officials kind of do what they're supposed to be and the injuries don't aren't just totally over – injuries, and I'm including suspensions in that, you know, things that – prevent you from no I agree with you now you know I think the offensive line much like we were talking about the Cajuns 
I think the the offensive line has some question marks, but I think the potential for depth is a little more there than a lot of people think. You know, Lamp is a guy I think is a capable backup. I think Young can be a capable backup. Uh, uh, the only the only deficiency that I see, and I've been harping on it for over a year, and again, it has nothing to do with suspension. Although suspension could make it even more, is they not they got to get another running back? In, in my opinion, yeah. I, you gotta. I, I think they're gonna wait for the cut down for that. I, that that's just someone's gonna get cut loose, and the Saints are gonna pick them up. But let's just hope the Alvin Kamara suspension is not more than four games, because that could really, that could really bite them in the you know what. Um, if it's less know, than it, six, I'll be surprised. You really think four is possible? Well, I mean, they were talking about Deshaun Watson having eight, and. You know, I mean, if he gets eight and Kamara gets eight, that, that there's no, that's not fair. I, you know, I don't know what he's going to get. I've heard as much as eight games. I've heard as little as two games. So it all depends on what he, you know, what the what the, uh, what the arbitrator ends up saying. I, I don't know you if know? you, I don't know if you had a chance to hear me last week when I said this, but I'm really hoping that, and it seems like it's very positive that the Cleveland Browns will now be the new. Everyone hates the Cleveland Browns in the NFL right now. And so I'm hoping the NFL office agrees with that and the Cleveland Browns become the new Raiders and the Saints can no longer be the most hated team in the league according to, you know, by the front office and they can get a break for a change. Well, thank God we didn't get Deshaun Watson. I didn't want him to begin with, to be quite honest. And Man, <laughs> you look at it in hindsight now and it's kind of like, man, that was, that was a blessing in disguise not to, not to get him. For this season, absolutely. And again, I, I am, um, I am very. I, I again, I, I don't need Jameis to win to be All Pro or anything. I just need to do him as do his job, be the leader, which he's proven he's the leader. And if they can, like you said, if they can just stay, I, I really believe the biggest thing right now. We talked to Luke about this a couple of weeks ago when Luke was on. Is they got to get the safeties. They've got to get on the same page with each other in the defense early in the season. They cannot throw a, a game away early against a team they're better than because they gave up silly big plays at the end of a game like they did two years ago or three years ago. Right, right. That's a key and, to uh, this season. I, I'll tell you another thing. Um, you know, uh, oh, what's his name? Quan Alexander's still out there. I don't know why we haven't, haven't – Resign him. I mean, is, is he hurt? I don't think he's hurt. No, I, I don't know that he's hurt. I, I think he's just waiting for his best offer. Offer Luke and other people that I've heard on that subject don't they? They are sold on Pete Werner, and and I got to be honest, Werner did much better last year than I thought he was going to do. And oh, so yeah. I get yeah. why they like him. So most people don't think Quan will be back, but man, if he would have happened to come back on a hometown discount just to be with a good team, man, it's going to be hard for me to sleep at night. Defense is going to be good. Should be really good. As long as the safeties don't take as long to get on the same page as Malcolm and them did when the, the first year Malcolm got here. That that can't happen. But as long as that doesn't happen, I agree with you. I mean, if Jameis can do what he did last year prior to his injury, that's all we need him to do. That's it. Just manage the game. And he'll be further along because they were spoon they were they were spoon feeding him early in the year because they were tenant. Right. And that yeah. th- those days are over. The spoon feeding days are over. Well, he's got some. He's got some major weapons. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Well, you and I think very similarly, and I hope we both can say I told you so about uh, ten months from now. 
And like I've said, the national media is sleeping on him. Yes, you I know, love it. Except Keyshawn Johnson. He he lo- he loves him. He loves the prospect. And so. and Damian Woody, I've heard say some good things. But yeah. other than but 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 I, uh, the the rest of them laugh at him. The the QWs they just laugh at, at at when people bring up the Saints they just laugh. We'll see. Yeah. Thank All you right, for I appreciate, th- it. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Again, in in a, in um you know I'm always. I can you can call me at two in the morning and I'm ready to talk about the Saints, but I think the uh, the thing that well, there's many things. I think the national the people who are down on the Saints don't get, but one of the things that I think is overrated is that Casper the Quitter's not going to be there anymore. And what I mean by that is he's not going to be there, but it's not like he's not still there. Like his culture that he created over the last 15 years, it's still going to be there. It didn't just disappear when he quit. Like, the way he set up his offense and the way he runs the offense didn't just, like, everyone didn't forget everything. All the influence that Casper had on them doesn't just leave just because he quit. Like, it's still there. The culture he created is still there with the leaders on the team and the coaching staff who all coached under him. Like Pete Carmichael's coached more games than Casper has for the Saints since 2016. I mean, his influence isn't going to just disappear. And hopefully they'll, they'll have more timeouts at the end of games than when Casper was here. And hopefully... Um, Dennis Allen won't get all mad at at the officials and 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 throw away a challenge just because he's mad with no chance of it coming true or going in the Saints' favor. So hopefully a few of the down things will eliminate. I'm sure his sayings and and thoughts that motivated teams will st- are still going to be there. Everyone acts like that all leaves. Well, no, th- that's why the Saints promoted from within. So all of that didn't leave. I think people are missing that boat. All right. Thank you for that phone call. Get my juices flowing a little bit. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to the game. Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros as we look forward to the Astros opening up a three-game series at Oakland. You know, this could be – well, before I get to that, let me remind you about the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you need to – have a great evening out planned for you by winning a great gift certificate. That's a great way to do it. You can win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Have Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. All these great prizes only if you join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. Now, I don't know that they logistically could could pull it off, but it's probably not 
that quickly, but it's probably not outside the realm of possibility. This could be like the last time that Astros ever play at Oakland Stadium. It's not like there's a bunch of nostalgia there, but uh, they have been playing games there since the 60s. I'm sure next year but some, nothing will happen by the beginning of next season, but it's a, it's certainly a fluid situation over there. It's a mess, but right now the Astros aren't worried about Oakland Alameda Coliseum or whatever it's called, nostalgia. They're worried about getting a little revenge against the A's because they got beat two out of three. It's the only series they've lost in like the last 11 or 12 series. So I think 11 series or 12 series or something like that. They, it was the only one they've lost. So hopefully they'll take care of that tonight. But Montas is pitching tomorrow. It could be difficult. All right. Appreciate the phone calls. Tomorrow, Sunbelt Conference Media Day will be coming to you from New Orleans. Y'all have a nice day.